Vettel literally just came alongside me and turned in. Wait, he brain tested me. I like it, vulnerable. Okay, I'm gonna pee in your seat. Hey, hey, steering wheel, somebody tell him to give it to me. Simply, simply lovely. Hello and welcome for the first time in 2018 to Back of the Grid. My name's Chris Evans and I'm joined, as always, by Tom King. Hello, sorry, I can't get over that Kimi Raikkonen bit. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh every, every time. Every time I hear it, so I'm just sat chuckling in the background, I apologise. <laughs> uh, and Stu Green was here as well. Hello, it's the same situation for me. It makes me it does, it, I couldn't help myself but chuckle to that. It's really funny. <laughs> um... So yeah, we're back 2018, new theme music, um, and we're more than halfway through the winter break now, which is exciting. So I think we can a- actually start counting down to the start of the season and the return of some actual F1. Yeah, the light is at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Nine weeks, I think, now. Something like that, yeah. Um, we've got our first few car launch dates, so I guess we can run through those quickly. Um Mercedes and Ferrari are actually going to be both launching on the same day, February 22nd. Uh, Mercedes at Silverstone, Ferrari are going to be online. Uh, Mercedes said, for all the press who want to turn to Silverstone, they'll be live streaming the Ferrari launch on a big screen as well, so I can watch it there, which is nice of them. <laughs> um, then we got McLaren the following day on the 23rd, and then two days later, Toro Rosso on the 25th which is unusual for Toro Rosso, actually, because normally they are one of the teams that just roll out in the pit lane. But I guess yeah. now they are Toro Rosso Honda. It's kind of yeah. a, a big deal for them. Yeah. That Honda money coming through. Yeah. <clears throat> interested to see what that car's like and obviously interested in the McLaren as well um, after the old engine swap. Yeah. Uh, then the day after the Toro Rosso launch is the start of pre-season testing. Uh, first test is February 26th to March 1st and then the second test is March 6th to March 9th. So we assume at the moment all the other teams will roll out of the garage at some point then. Uh, and then a few weeks after that, we're finally in Australia for the Australian Grand Prix on the 25th of March. Wow. Which sounds like a long way away, but I'm sure it'll roll around in no time. It's the thing you always find with this sport, isn't it? The The season March to November goes so quick, but then the November to March bit, which is the short bit, just seem, feels like forever. Yeah, this year especially, it seems like forever since I've watched any Formula One. Yeah. It's really felt like a long off season. Mm. Um, but a, a few things have happened in that time. Uh, a few bits of news that we can run through. Uh, first of all, the one that I fully expected to happen after we finally recorded a game, but Williams were nice enough to preempt us. Uh, we've actually got a full grid of drivers now because Williams have announced uh, Sergei Sorokin is getting the second seat alongside uh, Lance Stroll. Um, after all the Kubica hype, uh, he was given a reserve and development driver role. Um, so I guess he carries on getting some car time, probably a lot of simulator time. I hope we see him on a Friday, actually. It'd be nice to see him back in a official race weekend, even if it's just driving on a, a practice session. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a, it's a, oh, I feel like they've missed a trick with him. I think that they've taken money over experience again. Then again, Renault and Williams both ran him, had all the data they possibly needed to judge him, and neither of them have put him in their race car. So I know money probably plays a part with Sorokin, which I guess we'll get onto in a second, but I still feel like if he had been at a decent enough level, 
one of those two teams would have put him in a car for this year. Yeah, maybe. It makes yeah. me feel like he's not quite there. Because, I mean, Renault went for Sainz over him, which Sainz is not a take-a-driver-for-money sort of driver. I mean, I'm sure he's got That's sponsorship, true. but he's very much there on merit. But then Sainz, that was all the Honda shenanigans Yeah, well, he was also a, a plain piece in that. Um, but yeah, instead we've got Sergei Sorokin, who um, is a pretty well-respected driver, I think, in the sort of single-seater world. Um He's done, he did two full series in GP2, uh, third in the championship both years. Uh, he got three wins and 13 podiums. Um, the two years he came third were the years that Van Dorn and Gasly won. So, you know, he was up against pretty stiff competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's run the, the Montreal Ferrer as well. Uh He's only ever won one series, which was the Formula of Bath European Series back in 2011. But he's um, he's got a whole lot of wins and podiums across his career. Um, and from kind of what I've read online, it sounds like he was super impressive in the test he did with Williams. Obviously, they didn't release any lap times or anything, but um, it sounds like they were very impressed by his speed and his work ethic and everything. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I've always sort of expected him to make the transition at some point if if he could yeah. find the right team and and get into it. It's, it's like I said to you guys when we first found out about it. You know, the, technically speaking, in in GP two as it was then, the only four people that were sort of ahead of him by the end of those two years were Van Dorn, who's in F one, Rossi, who won the Indy five hundred, Gasly, who's done. Su- incredibly well in Super Formula and is now in F1 and Giovinazzi who has got F1 potential and has even had a race seat even as a fill-in so it's a fairly decent set of drivers to to come fifth behind yeah not bad at all Um, so I'm quite excited to see how he does he's he's very much been one of those like you say he's been on the verge and everyone's kind of expects him to make it to F1 for a few years now so it's good to see him get his shot um I think we can assume there's quite a lot of uh, Russian sponsorship money coming along with him. I've not seen any sort of figures quoted, but I think we can assume there's quite a lot of money coming Williams' way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, as much as they say they did it on speed, I'm sure that will have uh, played a small part in the decision, but I, th- I think he's the real deal. I'd say so. I, I think, well, now's his chance to prove it, isn't it? Exactly. More than anything. I think that he's got the potential. So it'd be mm. interesting to see how he stacks up against some other younger drivers on the grid in other teams and also his teammate who's still a very young guy but does at least have a year's experience under his belt. And it's also going to be interesting to see how he progresses in his second year being put alongside a, an F1 rookie that also is a, a quick driver yeah I think my suspicion is that he will be quicker than Lance Stroll within not too long I don't think um, but we'll see I can I can tell you who will be hoping that he is Boris Rottenberg the uh, Russian billionaire who <laughs> is backing him yes um, he'll like something for his money also, anyone else think he looks a little bit like Vladimir Putin? <laughs> I hate I hate to sound sort of I hate to sound racist. I mean I don't mean it in a racist, but actually some of the photos of him on Wikipedia 
and if you google <laughs> him with especially with a skinhead he looks like Vladimir Putin, man. <laughs> maybe there's a link there that's been kept quiet. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's... Uh, the, the, the Boris Rottenberg is the alias for Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's exciting. Well, we'll see... Uh, we'll see if anyone's sat next to Putin can, at the next uh, Russian Grand Prix. I guess. Can you yeah, remember yeah. one Vitaly Petrov? Yes. Do you not think with a, a skinhead he looks a little bit like he could be Petrov's little brother? <laughs> what what we're now saying is that every man in Russia looks like Vladimir Putin. Well, do you remember that guy, Danny Kvyat? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so much for being a I'm, serious formula. I'm sorry, Russia. Actually. Please don't hack us. <laughs> Speaking of Danny Kvyat, actually, I forgot to put this on the list, but he has been announced as a development driver at Ferrari. For sure. Yes. Um, after after all of him and Vettel arguing in the podium rooms, uh, they're now colleagues. They now work together. Oh, do you know, yeah. Do you oh, know all this bizarre. is? This is Ferrari. Sebastian said, look, we managed to get rid of Danny in one way, but I'm still worried he will somehow manage to ruin my season next year. <laughs> yeah. They said, look, we'll take him on board. We'll take him as a test driver. He'll do nothing. There is no way he can crash into anyone or anything and ruin your championship this year, Seb. Thanks, yeah. guys. The question Maybe. is, though, if Ferrari demote him, will Verstappen still win? <laughs> that, long <laughs> standing, <laughs> that long-standing thing of Kvyat yeah. is demoted, yeah. Verstappen wins you, the next race. The, the only way down from test driver is, like, sacked, isn't it? I don't think there's much further he can go now. No. Um, what else is going on? We've we've got some 2019 news, even though we've barely started 2018. Um the driver and car weight rules are being tweaked essentially to uh, help out heavier drivers it's always been the case that heavier drivers um kind of end up penalized because the the car and driver are on one weight limit so it sort of gives them less ballast to work with and you find a lot a lot of drivers over recent years have been trying to lose weight to kind of help out the team and stuff especially Uh, taller drivers yeah, it's usually the taller drivers. I know Jensen is normally affected by Hulkenberg has always complained about it as well. Um, but they're actually now weighing them separately, essentially. So it's going to be 80 kilograms for driver and seat. Um, and basically, they're going to ballast the seats to make the driver and seat combination the same across the grid, which I think is a good idea, probably. Um, it's about time, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's been. It's. Uh, they should have done this. I mean, imagine if they'd done this back when Mark Webber was driving. Yeah, exactly. Would he have won a f- world championship? Maybe. Mark Webber's like the size of two Sebastian Vettels. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jensen Button's quite tall as well. Yeah, yeah. probably would have had an easier well, time. Ima- it. Remember how gaunt Jensen got when they first started reducing yeah, the weight yeah. limits and stuff like that. He was. Mm. He was so thin. Yeah. Um. So where are they going to put the ballast? Are they putting it in like the bottom of the seat or the top of the seat, around the seat, in the driver's pockets? <laughs> <clears throat> I would... Yeah, it's interesting. I would assume in the base of the seat because that's probably going to affect the centre of gravity the least, I would imagine. But then doesn't that give an advantage to the shorter drivers again because they get more weight down at the bottom of the car? Mm, possibly. Maybe it'll be spread across. Maybe they just have to wear like a vest with all the weight strapped in. <laughs> <laughs> that's the easiest way to solve it <laughs> um, interesting yeah interesting. let's see where they do that because actually it, while we think it could it, it does even think obviously even if evens things up a lot but 
they're going to ha- surely they're going to have to regulate where that weight goes because they'll st- obviously this is Formula One people will still try to gain advantage from moving that weight around. Yeah, I think they'll have to specify a zone in which it has to go. Yeah, mm. and hopefully not leave a loophole like they did with the T wing. Yeah. yeah, they'll have the weights hanging off a T wing. <laughs> oh, just. Just like two scales either side of it dangling off. Like the scales of justice <laughs> yeah, hanging that's off the back it. of the <laughs> No more T-wings, but now we have the scales of justice. <laughs> Bit of Formula 2 news. Um, the F2 grid is starting to shape, take shape. It always takes them a bit longer to rattle out the F2 grid for some reason, but uh, there we go. Um, the reigning champions, Prima, uh, obviously lost both their drivers at the end of last year because uh, the champion never returns to F2. And then Giovinazzi also moved on to uh, his Sauber reserve driver role. They're going to be taking on Sean Galeo and Nick DeVries, who are actually both in their second series GP2. But Prima obviously liked what they saw and uh, brought them across. So it'll be interesting to watch those guys because Prima have very much been the number one team for the last couple of seasons. Actually, no, I've got that wrong. Giovinazzi was two seasons ago, wasn't he? Fuoco was the other Prima yeah, driver. Fuoco yeah, Fuoco was. Sorry, yeah, I didn't yeah. pick up on that. I was just thinking about Galil, because yeah, techni- um, technically Galil's been there a couple of years because he was he part has, of yeah. GP2 as well. Yes. But yeah, Fuoco, who was... Was he runner-up last season? Or third, I think? But he's moved on from Prima. He's gone to uh, Chara's Racing System, uh, which apparently is part of an agreement with Ferrari Driver Academy, which he's still very much part of which feels like we have a step backwards it seems a weird choice to move him away from the best team on the grid but Mm. apparently that's what ferrari have decided for him carlin are returning to formula two after a year away last year um and they are bringing uh lando norris with them who was their formula three champion last year and you may have heard us talking about him as he's a mclaren young driver and he drove in the hungary test last year um who McLaren very much seemed to be treating like they treated Lewis Hamilton at the same point in his career. In fact, I think at this point in his career, Lando Norris has achieved more than Lewis Hamilton did at that point, which is no mean feat. Mm, that's impressive. Yeah. That's a lot of um, Yes, a little bit. Um, and then ART have promoted both of their British deep Air GP3 drivers, uh, Jack Aitken and the champion George Russell, who again we've mentioned before because he's a Mercedes young driver, who did the Hungary test and he also did a couple of Friday practices for Force India in yeah. Brazil and Abu Dhabi. Aitken's who again is no slouch either. He came no. second, I think, last year in GP. I believe so. Yeah. Is it is Jack Aitken the Red Bull backed kid or is it is that someone else? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I'm not sure who no. Jack Aitken's. Um, he's not uh, not well. Not that I'm aware of. Is he with? them um i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that last season or maybe the year year before he was picked up by renault but whether that's still the case or not i'm not sure yeah renault young drivers tend to change quite a lot who was the guy who won the uh oh, the the oh goodness i forgot the name of it the the one near hong kong but it's not in hong kong oh macau macau who did win macau oh dan tictum it's dan tictum tictum that was it dan yeah, tictum that's what yes he's the red bull is he in GP? Is he going to be in GP three this year? It's uh, a very good question. Formula three, I think, unless he's moving. Can't see anything for him in twenty eighteen. Actually, he definitely was in Formula three, and he did a little bit of GP three, but not much. He did five GP three races last go. season, so I, I would assume he's going to do a full season of GP three, but don't have that for certain. Yeah, sorry, I've just thrown us <laughs> miles off. off <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. 
Um, George Russell and Lando Norris. I'm really excited to see those two. Yeah, I'm very ahead. excited to see what they do. They're both by McLaren and uh, Mercedes being treated as very much the next big thing. Like they're playing for the future of those guys. So yeah, they're both listed as official test drivers for those teams as well, aren't they? Yeah. So. Um, ART and no slouch. I don't know what Carlin going to be like, having spent a year away from GP2 slash F2 coming back. Um, so Lando might struggle a little bit there, but have to wait and see. Do you think if George Russell wins the... I, I doubt he will win the F2 this year because it's, it's rare that people drop into F2 and just win it, isn't it? But um, if he know, did... A couple of people have done it. Yeah, yeah, they have done it. Hamilton did it, didn't he? But um, do you think he'll end up in the Mercedes seat replacing Bottas if he does uh, win the F2? It depends on what Bottas does this year, doesn't it? Really, more than anything. If he, I think it depends on what Bottas does this year and what Ricardo decides to do at the end of the and year. And that, yeah. There's a, there's a few other factors involved other than just his performance. I think what you might see is Mercedes try and get him into one of the um, supplier teams. Well, they are the teams they are the supplier to. Yeah, try yeah, and yeah get him in there. Force India or something yeah, like that. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 we try sense. and get him in one of those. Thing is, they did that with uh, what's it with Pascal Verline, and look, yeah. look how that turned out. But did the same with Bottas, and he's sort of worked his way back That's up, hasn't true. he? Because he was chucked in at the Williams seat to to hone his talent here and bring him up. So mm. yeah, it's don't know. It can work out sometimes. It can't, but yeah, it can. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Uh, speaking mm. of. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of Lando Norris, uh, he completed the Raw before the 24, because everything needs to have a cool name in America, uh, uh, test session ahead of the uh, Rolex 24 Hours, alongside his teammates Phil Hansen and a bloke called Fernando Alonso. Alonso and Coco only managed 12th place in the mock qualifying, almost two seconds off the pace set by one Felipe Nazar, who topped a 1-2-3-4 result for Cadillac, who pretty much have looked set from the start to completely dominate the Rolex yeah. 24. So sadly, I don't think we're going to see Alonso fighting for a win anytime soon. No. <laughs> but uh, again, it's I think it's very much him getting experience of endurance racing ahead of the Le Mans 24 hour, which he yeah. may or may not. It, it looks Take like on. a it looks like a car thing more than a driver thing. Yeah, if... it very much does. Yeah, it's because it's um I forgot the team's called, but it's Zach Brown's American Lawn Series uh, team, which I've forgotten the name of. But yes, it's very much not a great car. And I had a quick glance at results earlier, and those four Cadillac teams were like a gulf ahead of anybody else. So unless they pull a Toyota, I think they're going to be set on to win that. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to watch that though. It's the 27th and 28th of January, the uh, Daytona 24. This weekend. So we this weekend. That, watch. that is this weekend. Damn. So yeah, give that a watch if you fancy Alonso uh, driving around in 12th place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely worth finding a stream for if you're not in the States. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if Alonso does decide he wants to do Le Mans this year, he's going to have quite a lot of teams to choose from. Um, for the super season, the LMP1 lineup is starting to take shape after Porsche dropped out and Audi dropped out it was looking pretty ropey um, but Ginetta who you may know from the uh, British Touring Car Championship support series have um, released images of their new LMP1 car uh, which Manor are going to be running uh, it seems like they're only running one of the cars uh, but Ginetta say they've had more orders for their car from as yet undisclosed teams they said they can 
potentially run up to three two-car teams. Bicols are also returning, presumably entering one car. BR Engineering are running a new Delara chassis, uh, and they're going to be offering customer versions of their BR1 to other privateer teams. Rebellion are moving up from LMP2 to LMP1, uh, possibly in a weird alliance with Areca, who are another LMP2 team. Um, And of course, Toyota returning as the only manufacturer team. So that's potentially like a 10-car LMP1 grid we could have this year, depending on how many cars uh, these guys choose to run. Um, But it's pretty exciting to have that many privateers entering. Um, And obviously we know Toyota's history the last few years of doing everything but win the damn thing. So it's entirely possible that a privateer could win the overall honours. Totally needs to be Manor. Yeah, I would love to see Manor turn oh, up and man. win it. Imagine if they did. Imagine like it's, it's a super season as well, so that would actually technically make them the highest scoring points champions of yeah. in World Endurance Championship history. Yes, they, we, then they've got two shots as well because there's two two editions two of Le Mans are going to be this one super season. Yeah. So yeah, do it for your two shots at it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yorkshire winning Le Mans. Yeah, have you seen the size of the? Manufactory, yeah, it's like round the corner from me. It's only like ten minutes it's, up the road. Shed, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's literally tiny. It's like, <laughs> it's like it is. You know, like when you see an industrial unit that's got like loads of individual units, like say five down each side, and then a car park out the front of each one. It is basically one of those. Yeah, that's whereas when you when you're driving up the I think M4 to to uh, from London to Manchester. As you go past, I think around Birmingham area, you go past the Pro Drive factory, and that place is honestly the one of the big. It's like a proper, proper huge factory. Like it, you're driving past it for like a mile. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. that big. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, and this is kind of the manner that uh, were in their first guys in Formula One, uh, John Booth and Graham Loudon, who were like two of the best it's guys to see talking. Manor. Yeah, original manner. Yeah. OG. It's not Manor. It. This is Manor. Hang on. This is Manor Motorsport, not Manor Racing. There's, yes. there's two. There's two different versions of Manor. One's Manor Motorsport, and one is Manor Racing. I think. And I think that's the right, one yeah. to look for is the one with the white Yorkshire rose for the badge because that's the proper Manor that's Graham Loudon and John Booth. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a cracking Mon season, super season. Um, yeah. We are maybe going to be going to the Silverstone round, which I'm very much looking forward to. Indeed. Did anyone, um, just while we're on Le Mans, did anyone see that <clears throat> they're thinking about bringing it back to um, sort of sports car shaped cars for Le Mans? Yeah, very much. They're kind of looking at what the future looks like post sort of prototype. And yeah. Yeah. I'm quite excited by that. I like the idea of like a P1 versus a, a Ferrari, the Ferrari. Yeah. Versus going around whatever the Porsche is, the hybrid. Yeah, the Porsche nine nine eight hybrid, whatever it was, but like a, a a a good version of that. Like, well, I mean, a good version of it, as though it's a crap car. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it'd be to see proper proper hyper cars going around with the GT cars as well behind them. It just to me that feels way more real. That that'd be mm. much. That's much more appealing than watching the prototypes because Formula One's prototypes. I don't really feel like they need to we don't need two prototype kind of categories i think that's where le mans is kind of missing yeah if you if you stuck a big body on an f1 car you're not a million miles away from 
a Le Mans prototype. Yeah. I know there's a lot of differences, but still they're in the same ballpark. Yeah. yeah. I like I like how Le Mans kind of reinvents itself every few years. So it's yeah, it'd be really interesting to know what direction they go in next. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting times. I'm going to briefly mention IndyCar, which we don't normally do, but they've just released their new aero kit. Um, there's a Delara developed kit, which basically all teams are going to be using this aero kit. Um, I'll just quickly read this couple of sentences. Uh, the design not only reduces overall downforce by up to 25%, the majority of the downforce now comes from the underside of the car, therefore reducing aero wash or dirty air and allowing cars to run closer and thus create more passing opportunities. In addition, the increased top speed and lower cornering speeds, along with the reduced downforce of lengthened braking zones, made the cars more unstable, which sounds <laughs> great. Like it's going to make <laughs> lots of great, exciting <laughs> racing. Meanwhile, Formula One teams have agreed to push through new aero changes in 2019, aimed at giving them better space for sponsorship logos. Great. <laughs> what? So, I mean, that just shows you what's important to the Formula <clears throat> One yes. teams, doesn't it? Um, they apparently five unnamed teams aired these ideas. They're going to be making the barge boards lower to make better visibility on the side of the cars for advertising spot there's going to be a space at the top of the rear wing end plates that's got to be flat with no aero stuff for more advertising oh god boring it's like clearly the people in charge of IndyCar have looked at the problem of cars not able to race each other come up with a solution the sort of solution that people have been saying F1 should do for years and they've just done it and everyone thinks it's a great idea. Those indie cars look nice as well. The car looks futuristic, it's gorgeous. As, doesn't it? it looks absolutely mega. Looks really cool, especially that long pointy nose as well. Yeah, it's it. It really does boggle the mind. Uh, um, so isn't there? Isn't there like a high downforce kit and a low downforce kit for the? Yeah, yeah. They, well, they have a. Um, I'm not sure of the exact technicalities of them all, but they have an oval kit and then they have the street kit for when they're racing the street yeah. circuits, which it's, are completely different. Um, whether yeah. there's anything in between those, like a, a high downforce no, no, street no, kit and a low downforce street kit, I'm no, not sure. No. no, they've always only had two kits. I yeah. know for sure that they've only yeah. they only have two kits. And actually, I'm looking at the high downforce kit now, and to me, that is what a Formula One car should look like. I it's, think. They're such good-looking cars, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They look all, It looks great. So, yeah, good job, F1. Really, really nailing that there. Yeah. Great use of sarcasm there. <laughs> Speaking of aerodynamics, while we're on the subject, I'm, I'm reading another book. Ooh. <laughs> what book is it this year? Have <laughs> you um, been played to pay This year? This what do you read this year? You talk- uh, <laughs> one book a year. I read, I read one book a year. No, I yeah. just mean that you're going to plug on the show. You plug Jensen's autobiography. For- uh, yeah. So much so <laughs> that during the off-season, we got tweets about the fact that you love <laughs> Jensen's book so much. Really? Yeah, but oh, I think I it was. Pay, I don't pay attention to the, the the haters on Twitter. No, it was the opposite. <laughs> it was love for you. It was Paul oh, saying, um, "I got Jensen Button's book for Christmas and loving it. I hope Stu's oh, proud good, of me or something good. to that effect." Very proud. Very proud. <laughs> um, so ne- onto the plug. The plug this week <laughs> is for um, Adrian Newey's book, "How to Build a Car," and it's all about every car he's made, pretty much. Nice. Um, and his life as well. it's about all his life and stuff leading up to it but a, a, a lot of the sort of a lot of the stories uh, around the car and like what was wrong with them and the develop, some developments they made to them to to get them through the season 
and it's just a really fascinating read like it go, it does go in you need to be quite sort of into your technical sort of side of formula one to really really enjoy it but i'm absolutely loving it i'm really enjoying it on on a scale of formula one fan to ted kravitz how into technicalities do you need to be uh you oh i mean ted kravitz like literally oh, wow. that 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 far full kravitz yeah he's, he's talking about like he's t- he talks about a time when he dropped a pen lid into a uh into an oil tank and like how that affected the, <laughs> the performance of the guy it's that kind of thing nice or like he took one really cool thing i will mention about is the he talks about the williams that mansell won his championship in mm-hmm. and um he, he goes into detail about how he noticed a loophole in the regulations so behind the spindle of the front wheel and between that point and the rear of the front wheel, there was a whole open area, a bit like when there was a T with the T wings this year. There was a whole area that they yeah. just accidentally left unregulated, and that is that was the secret to that car's downforce, because he managed to basically seal the floor using an extension to the rear wing that went behind uh, to to the front wing that went behind the front wheels. So it made it a super super high grip car, and it was just one really tiny eureka moment that he had that that won in the championship effectively yeah it, adrian knew is the man who can make a team in my opinion like all the titles that he won williams um the he went to mclaren and then they won in 98 with hakkinen off yeah. the back mm-hmm. of that and then all the titles that he got red bull like he's the man to go to if yeah. you want uh, yeah uh, really is top of the grid car yeah it's it's a cracking read anyway. I definitely I recommend it. Can we get a cha-ching sound effect for every time Stu mentions <laughs> that book? <laughs> plug a book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Is there is there any other motor racing media that we want to promote this week? Any good films out? Any of that sort of stuff? <laughs> there's a there's a McLaren documentary coming to Netflix soon. It and it was people spend spending time with them at the beginning of I think last season. Uh, basically, like spending time behind the scenes with them at what they expected to be their big comeback and About basically it sounds like yeah it's basically this documentary is just watching them realizing they've got another dog of a car and kind oh of, my uh, goodness it sounds fascinating that must be brilliant as much as i don't like to see mclaren struggle like that but yeah it must yeah. be brilliant to watch for want of a better phrase it sounds like watching a car crash in slow motion <laughs> <laughs> it's available from the 9th of february oh it's on amazon sorry not uh ah well, something else on Amazon that is worth watching, it's been around a, a year or so now, maybe even longer, I think, but there's a series on there which is about Le Mans. Oh, what is it now? It's the Le Mans 24. And if if you've ever watched anything motorsport-related on an Amazon Fire Stick or an Amazon account, it will come straight up, but it's one of their series. I can't remember the name of it. It's called Le Mans Racing is Everything. That's it. Watch that. That's really good. And although again it's it's a little bit old, it's sort of relevant because it's from last season. Is the speed with Guy Martin thing? That's if you're in the UK, that's available on Channel 4's online yep. streaming stuff. That's really interesting to see him learn to be part of a pit crew, and it just gives you a massive insight into. We all know how hard that job actually is, but it gives you a real insight as to how hard that job actually is. That sounds amazing. That sounds really cool. 
There's also a new documentary which I've not seen yet, which is on Netflix, uh, just called Williams, which is just about the life of Frank Williams, um, which is also supposed to be very good. So, yeah, so if you're looking for something to fill up your time, yeah, in the off season, Formula One based between now and <laughs> what March the whatever of twenty fourth, twenty fifth, yeah, um, depending on if you watch practice and quality. There you go. <laughs> there's your uh, there's your watch list and reading list. Quick bit of Formula E news. Formula E now has a title sponsor uh, in the ABB group. Uh, it's the first time an FYI championship has ever had a title sponsor. What? Um, yeah. Didn't know that. It's Breaking just new ground. Formula E, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's now the ABB Formula E championship. Uh, ABB are a Swedish-Swiss multinational corporation headquartered in Zurich, operating mainly in robotics, power, heavy electrical equipment, and automation technology areas. Um, from the presentation thing they did, they're kind of very much in the uh, kind of environmental side of things and the making the world a better place through technology kind of side of things. Um, we actually had one of our listeners, Thomas Austin Morgan, uh, replied on Twitter. Uh, he said he actually works in some of the kind of areas ABB operate in. Um, he said the most obvious place to see their tech is on a train unless you work in industrial robots. Uh, the big power transformers at the end of platforms are usually ABBs, Ooh, which is interesting. There you go, then. Um, wow. He also said, I'd have thought an energy company would have made a better sponsor, um, someone like Eon or EDF. Yeah. Um, but he also said uh, it's rare that the industrial world intersects with the wider world. Um, and he actually linked us to a piece that he wrote that got published recently called How Does Wider Industry Benefit from Its Relationship with F1 Teams, which is on eurekamagazine.co.uk um, we retweeted it a few weeks ago we'll probably send another tweet with it because it's a really really interesting read on kind of uh, F1 and the real world interacting so that's Ooh. another thing to do in the off season have a little little read of that read of that I've, I've, lit- I've just opened that uh, tab and I'll read that after this yeah definitely worth a read um, what else is going on a quick sort of bit of esports news. Uh, the race of champions is happening in a few weeks, I think. Uh, yeah, second and third of Feb in Saudi Arabia. Race champions being the kind of event in the stadium where uh, drivers from all disciplines come and race against each other. They normally have one day of uh, nationalities in teams racing and another day of individual uh, competition, uh, and they're going to have an esports team this year. Um, yeah, so one of the drivers is going to be uh, Rudy Van Buren, who won the McLaren uh, World's Fastest Gamer competition. And he's going to be joined by the winner of the first ever E-Race of Champions. So they're going to have an online event with various kind of top sim racers, one of which is going to be uh, Brendan Lee, the guy who won the F1 eSports series last year. Yeah, and the winner of that and uh, Rudy are going to be driving real cars against real racing drivers. Mm. which is quite interesting, I thought. They're going to be a... Where's the name? They're officially going to be called Team Sim Racing (laughs) All-Stars. Wow, that's original. Yeah, hell of a name. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's it's very much kind of a thing, it seems, these days that uh, esports and real motorsports are kind of crossing over more and more. I think that F1 esports series seem to be very successful. Speaking of crossing over, they've brought the bridge back to Race of Champions, if you didn't know that. Hey. No, that's not, it is a segue, but it is true as well. Because <laughs> la- last, last year they had 
you just crossed over at the start finish line, I think, didn't you? And they just swapped lanes. Yeah. But they've got like a yeah. proper figure of eight track, one that's tight and twisty and one that's a bit more flowing. And then they they cross over in the middle and one goes up over the bridge and obviously one goes under it. Cool. That sounds good. Sounds Actually, better than yeah, last year. Last year was a bit crazy. Wasn't it? So when Pascal, was it Pascal Villani? Yeah. Had a bit of an yeah. upside down Put moment. Him out the first two races. Yep. Hurt himself, yeah. Sketchy accident, that one as well. He was really lucky with that. But it's uh, it's normally a good watch, the race of champions. The drivers all seem to just be having a laugh most of the time. And when Pablo Montoya usually turns up and proves he's still got it. I think he won it last year, actually. He did, yeah. He's it. back to defend his title. Uh, there's a list of a few of the people taking part, actually. Um, yeah, Montoya's back to defend his title. Uh, Helio Castvenis, Ryan Hunter-Ray, and Joseph Newgarden, all from NASCAR. Oh, wow. Uh, Tom Christensen, David Coulthard, Petter Solberg. Uh, Lando Norris is going to be there. Um, and I think that's the list so far, but yeah, it's always a decent list of drivers. Yeah. So that should be worth a watch. And I think that's about all the newsy things that we can talk about there. Um, yeah. yeah. Tom, you've got some things from listeners that we've had sent in. Yeah, just I a believe. couple couple of things that were sent in when we we let the world know we were back for a recording, <laughs> albeit at short notice. Yeah, it was like six hours ago. But yeah, the um, the guys from That's Life who are our prediction champions from last year, or at least <laughs> listener prediction champions, uh, said, "Do you think there will be any first time race winners in 2018? And if so, who?" It's a very good question. Mm, that is a good question. Just having a look at the driver lineup. Can um, you see Sergei Sorokin doing anything? No. For the Williams? No. Uh, Lance Stroll, did he? He didn't win the race. He came second, didn't he? Third. Third, Third sorry. Third. Uh, 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 Azerbaijan, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Looking at the list of drivers here, I'd say Van Dorn's maybe an outside bet, depending on what that McLaren Renault is like. And I'd maybe take a punt on the Force India guys as well, in the right situation. If if mm. they can carry on the sort of form they've had the last couple of years, in the right situation, we could maybe have a Perez or Ocon win. Yeah, surely Ocon. I, think I mean, Ocon's... either of them should have won Azerbaijan last year, but they were busy crashing yeah. into each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't really see anyone else on that list that of non-winners that. Potentially could. What about Charles Leclerc in the Alfa Romeo Sauber F1 team? I mean, you never know. (laughs) The Alfa Romeo Sauber Honda. (laughs) Yeah, I guess (laughs) Ren. Oh no, it's not Honda, is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) Too many names. Too many, too many different. Too many names. (laughs) I guess um, Renault could be an outside bet as well. I think Hulkenberg and Signs are both. Hulkenberg, he's never won a race. Never even been on the podium. He's never had a podium, Hulkenberg. Yeah. Nope. Um, he holds I, the record for the most races without a podium. Do you know what? I, oh. I I was I was testing a few things, which I'll mention in a minute, but I heard the start of an older episode from last season and it involved Chris's opening line of Welcome to the podcast that has more some things than Hulkenberg does podiums. And I was like, wow, that's harsh, man. I can't, rem- I can't remember what the episode was or even the punchline, but yeah, I just I remember that's remember how that. you opened it. I don't know what but Hulkenberg had done to upset me that week. I, yeah. I think it was the fact that he hit the longest run now without a podium. Yes, I think he had. I think that was the reason for the joke. And then we got into the episode and it made more sense, but still. <laughs> Poor Nico. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, in in seriousness to answer the question though I think I'm with you on the fact that it really depends on where the engines are this year and out of teams that have people that haven't won in them I think the only ones that might be able to do anything are probably Force India or McLaren because it's both Ferrari drivers mm-hmm. have won both Mercedes drivers have won yep. and both Red Bull drivers have won and that's your top six and it's kind of tough yeah. to look past that isn't it yeah so, so you don't see any any look for the Honda boys then no. It depends if the engine's a dog like last year, doesn't it, really? Yeah. I think... Oh, we don't get too deep into predictions yet because we'll probably do that in a few weeks, but I think Toro Rosso are going to be getting beaten by Seven next year, at least to start oh, with. I hope not. You know what? Knowing McLaren's look, that Honda will, will be flying and Red Bull will be taking that Force India model. Probably. Uh, the well, diet- not Red Bull, sorry. Toro Rosso will be taking that. The day Alonso gets overtaken by one of those Toro Rossos is the day Alonso retires, I think. (laughs) There and then just pulls up and that's it, I've had enough. I'm I'm done. I genuinely have a horrible feeling, I say horrible feeling, that that Honda engine is going to be fire next year. I don't mean on fire, I mean (laughs) fire in the positive sense, as the cool kids say these days. (laughs) You say that, I'm sure... I read somewhere today that Honda are already saying that they are going to be like <laughs> oh, no. half a season or something before they'll be... So they're already making excuses. <laughs> I think I've already Literally. seen an excuse from Honda, so... Oh, that's bad. That's it. They get earlier every year. <laughs> See, that's that's rubbish for people like Gasly and Hartley, though, that are now going to get tarred with a brush of not being very yeah. good. But it's the car, not them. Yeah. Tough. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's half the half the battle in Formula One is being in the right place at the right very time. Very true, very and it true. is very easy to find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. So like Alonso's not been great at over the no. years. No, indeed, it's a shame. Um, there was another comment, and that was from Craig Mitchell, who, after I released a sneak preview of the new theme tune for this season, he said, "New theme tune is very good. Can't wait to hear it every week." Thanks, Craig. Oh, thanks, Craig. He's possibly saying that because when I asked, well, when I asked for suggestions, he was the one that said, "Got to have Kimish screaming about his steering wheel," and that is in there, and it's the one that made (laughs) us giggle immediately. So, and I think we'll make us laugh every week for the entire year (laughs) to get used to that. Hey, it's good. Hey, (laughs) standing well, standing well. (laughs) Have you seen Kimmy's on Instagram now? What is, is yes. it actually Kimmy though, or is it one of it's those actually, fake Kimmy accounts? It's ac- no, it's actually Kimmy on it's Instagram. Actually Kimmy. Big Ramming. What's his uh, What's his handle? Let's get. Uh, let me this. just find for you. Is that? A, do they call it a handle these days, or is it just a username? I Who don't knows? know what it's called these days. It is a handle, but <laughs> Kimmy Instagram. Let what's your gram, it. bro? Kimmy number seven. Kimmy. No, it is right, um. Oh. Yeah, Kimi Matthias Reich, and then he's him. He's got a blue tick. Yeah, he's got, he's got a him. blue tick. Oh, it has got blue tick and everything. He's look. a blue tick. But and there's an it's... actual selfie of Kimi Reich yeah. on the internet. What? <laughs> Multiple selfies and him like videoing, talking to the camera and stuff. It's really bizarre. That is bizarre. One. So uh, to be fair, of like thirteen posts that he's done, one, two, three, three of them are selfies. <laughs> Amazing. Bad. Amazing. Four, scene. five, five of them are selfies. And one's a very nice motorbike. 
He's only I love this. this is the best bit. He's only following twelve people, <laughs> and he's got three hundred eighty-nine thousand yeah. followers already. That's lad. What a lad! Just just so, yeah. for humorous reasons, the twelve people Kimi Raikkonen follow, so you know who to go follow now <laughs> are Formula One, Scuderia Ferrari, oh, this Mark Arnal, whoever that is. So they're all sponsors. He just follows yeah. his sponsors. Yeah, and no Alfa one else. Romeo, yeah. Hartwell, original oh, well, long drink. What a legend. <laughs> Ice Puma, Racing, Ray-Ban, Puma, Ray-Ban, Yeah. Oh, and his And his missus. Can't forget his girlfriend slash wife, whichever she is. Ah, <laughs> uh, brilliant. Absolute legend. <laughs> so, yeah, and if, if you're into your Instagram, get a, get a bit of Kimmy action in your life. Yeah. <laughs> when did he, when's, when's he been on Instagram since? How long has it taken? It's quite. 13. It's quite recent, I think. Um, well, he's, December twenty eighth was his first post. Yeah, I like how his profile picture almost looks like a dab as well. He does. <laughs> he yeah. does. <laughs> Please go check out Kimi Raikkonen's Instagram yeah. so this segment uh, wasn't wasted. And that is changed. a new segment for the for this year's show. Is what's yeah. Kimi posted on Instagram this week? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, makes you very happy. Uh, um, cool. That is that, it for incoming stuff this week. I think I'll probably do us. Um, for the week as well. Uh, while you're on Instagram, you can give us a follow at Back of the Grid. Um, mm. Follow us and Kimmy, and hopefully he'll notice us. Um, <laughs> you can always find us on Twitter as well. That's at Back of the Grid F1. We're on Facebook. Just search Back of the Grid and BackofTheGrid.com, where hopefully we'll have some exciting new ways you can enter the predictions game fairly soon. Work in we'll- progress. We'll talk about that nearer the time, or not at all, just in case it's not ready in time. Um, <laughs> you can find all of us as well. Stu is on in, uh, on Instagram. He's on Instagram. I, I, I am Instagram. on Instagram. But I don't I know don't, why I said Instagram, but I, I never sure. post on it. Don't worry about it. Well, you, don't worry about that then, but you can find him on Twitter at Stu underscore PX. Tom is on there at TomKing89, and I am at TNM Chris. And that will do us for this first episode of the year. So be sure to look out for us returning in an amount of time. Um, <laughs> definitely in time for uh, the car launches and pre-season testing. Um, I'm sure we'll rate all of the uh, new liveries and stuff again this year. Yeah. And hopefully not insult Force India as much as we did last year. Yeah. It turned out to be a great car. It did. Who knew? Ugly as, but a brilliant car. So the only way they can improve this year is by making a better looking car, I think. Or make it even uglier and it'll be even faster. Yeah, that's a possibility. But we'll find out that in a few weeks. Uh, So until then, thanks for listening. Um, See you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye bye. This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.